Let's pray. Loving God, uh, we are so grateful for this chance to, to gather together. God, rather that be uh, here in person uh, or from our homes uh, on Zoom, God, we're grateful um, that we can still have this collective sense of, of the, the gathered body of Christ together. God, we acknowledge that your spirit is here among us, both in person and on Zoom, drawing us, uniting us, bringing us together. Um, and we're grateful for that. And uh, as we open the scriptures this morning and wrestle with them, and reflect on them. We ask that your spirit uh, would lead us and guide us, would shape us and form us into the image of Jesus. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Every once in a while, I get um, a very strong impulse to buy something. Um, but this impulse to buy something isn't like necessarily anything that I've been thinking about for a long time, but it's really like anything, honestly. Uh, this, this impulse is really uh, a sort of compulsive sort of uh, impulse, and it's to, to really just get my hands on, on something, which is so incredibly uh, disorienting and, um, I don't know, in some ways disturbing, because generally speaking, I really have like a disdain towards spending money. <laughs> if I had a, a spending habit, it would probably be like hoarding my money. Uh, so it's always a bit disorienting when I get this like compulsory impulse to, to buy something. So uh, a few months ago, I had this, this impulse creep in and there were like four or five things that um, rose to the surface of things that I, I really, really wanted to buy. And so the, the pattern of what would happen was I would uh, obsessively think about, uh, research and talk about this for a day or two and then I would move on to the next item on the list. And for a day or two, I would obsessively think about, obsessively research, and obsessively talk about this. And then after a day or two, move on to the next thing. And you get the picture, obsessively think, research, and talk about. And uh, if you know anything about how uh, internet advertising works, uh, you know that what you look up is what you're going to see in your advertisement. So as I was doing anything else remotely removed from researching these things, this is all that I would see popping up on the side of my uh, internet browser. And so I would be doing something uh, totally separate from this. And yet, out of the corner of my eye, here was this thing that I was obsessively thinking, researching, and talking about, just lulling me to click on the advertisement. Well, like I said, this was a bit disturbing to me, uh, recognizing how I, I generally dislike spending money. And so I did something really simple. And it was so important looking back on it. I stopped <laughs> and I asked the question, why? Why do I have this impulse? Why, why, why do I want to buy something so bad? And while I didn't hear like an audible voice, I did get this immense sense of clarity that said, whenever you have this impulse to buy something, it's when your life feels like it's out of control and your attempt to, to buy something is your attempt to gain control on the life that feels so out of control around you. Now, I don't know if you've ever had these moments where it feels like your soul has been ripped out of you and thrown on the examination table in front of you for like you to see and poke and prod and uh, investigate, but that's totally the feeling that I had in that moment. Because up to that point, I don't know that I could have put that into words, and it was the scary clarification that in this moment, my life feels out of control. 
And when I say my life, I don't necessarily mean like my small life, if that makes sense. I don't mean like I had any sort of habits or tendencies that felt out of control. It didn't feel like uh, my, my family was out of control. It didn't feel like our neighborhood, our church, or anything like that was out of control. But it was more like my big life, or maybe we could say our collective life. The life around us, the world around us tends to feel a bit out of control right now, if not like downright out to get us, <laughs> right? Um, I mean, for the last six months, we've, we've uh, seen rotating headlines uh, among what I've been not so affectionately calling the unholy trinity, <laughs> right? We, we have first off uh, this global pandemic of COVID-19 that's wreaking havoc across our, or across our world with what, like now over a million deaths as a result of it, wreaking havoc across our nation with now over 200,000 deaths. And as we've learned in the last few days, our top... Uh, government officials, including our president, have caught it, and some are now being hospitalized for treatment and observation. And if that wasn't bad enough, we have the second thing of our, uh, this rearing of our nation's ugly relationship and history with racial injustice on like full display to a point where those of us within the white majority who might not have been awakened to this up to this point are now seeing it with clear eyes for maybe the first time. And it just seems so incredibly apparent that our country, for whatever reason, has very little regard for black and brown bodies. And if those two things weren't enough, um, there's something happening in November about a pretty important decision regarding some top person in our nation called a presidential election. And we enter into that feeling awfully divided and polarized where any little thing can set us off into some sort of divisive argument. And I don't know about you, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm exhausted. And it's not like a, a tired or an exhaustion, like I forgot my cup of coffee this morning. It's like a tired or an exhaustion at like a soul level. Like the depth of who I am is just tired. And as I began to think about that a bit more, um, I began to think like, if I'm feeling this way, then I assume that many, if not most of us are feeling this way too a tiredness, an exhaustion, a depletion within our soul. And so it comes from this place and this context with this backdrop, um, our new sermon series that we're starting today of uh, Shepherd of Our Souls, or Shepherd of My Soul, a reflection on Psalm 23. It seemed like we, we found ourselves in a moment where we need to like re resort back to the, to the best ofs in scripture, right? <laughs> and Psalm 23 is certainly one of those, those best of tracks, the greatest hits of scripture, right? It's certainly one of the most well-known, well-familiar, uh, well or most quoted passages of all of scripture. And to be honest, I'm typically a bit skeptical of those passages of scripture. Um, but about six months ago, at the beginning of all of the quarantine, um, I picked up uh, a daily morning liturgy that had me reading uh, and really more so praying through Psalm 23. And I, built, I began to feel this, the cynicism and the skepticism towards it begin to slip away. And over the last six or seven months, it's really become a bit of a, a life raft for me when, when life feels overwhelming. And as I began to, to study it, uh, this began to make all the more sense because Psalm 23 is what's uh, often referred to as a psalm of trust. <laughs> Meaning that we don't actually know a whole lot of what was going on in the psalmist's life as uh, he penned this, 
But as we read the psalm, it becomes pretty apparent that the psalmist finds himself in a situation where his life feels out of control, (laughs) where things around him are breaking, where things around him are burning to the ground, and he doesn't know what else to do, and so he cries out in trust of God. And so for uh, the next few weeks, um, I want us to spend some time tending to our souls, uh, reflecting on what it means for the Lord being our shepherd. So this morning, uh, we're going to open up uh, just the, the opening few verses of this, this psalm. Uh, we're going to reflect on some of the imagery, some of the metaphors that's there. And uh, then I want to offer up a, a practice that I think could be helpful as we head into um, this week and, and really uh, this next season. Sound good? All right. Thanks, Celia. <laughs> All right. So, Psalm 23, verse 1. The psalmist begins... The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now notice how this reads almost like a creed, right? It begins in like this confessional sort of statement. The, the psalmist declaring, acknowledging um, the, the, the mental compartment or the, the, the mental compartmentalization within his mind of who God is in this moment. He's acknowledging, he's confessing that the Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd, when all around him seems to be falling apart, out of control, breaking, burning, he comes to this moment where he confesses and acknowledges, The Lord is my shepherd. Now, it's important to recognize at the beginning of this psalm, the word that gets translated here as the Lord is not just any old generic term for God. Because that certainly would have been uh, uh, available for the, the psalmist to use here. But the word that gets translated as the Lord is the, the Hebrew word Yahweh. And Yahweh was not just any old word for God, but this was a deeply personal, deeply intimate, deeply sacred and holy and revered term to the point that the Jewish people wouldn't even say it, uh, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't even speak it into existence. Um, See, all of this comes from uh, back in the the Jewish history of uh, when the the Jewish people found themselves in enslavement to Egypt, the world superpower of the day. And and God comes to Moses, who would become their deliverer, and he tells Moses to go and free the people from their enslavement. And Moses says, who should I tell him sent me? And God says, Yahweh. See, this becomes a, a... an intimate, a personal, a sacred, revered, holy name. This is a name of a God who has chosen to reveal God's self to the people. This is a God who's chosen to be known and to know. This is uh, like choosing to, to, to call a grandparent uh, papa or nana instead of uh, grandfather or grandmother, right? Grandfather, grandmother are these generic kind of like cold terms, but nana and papa come with a familiarity, it's somebody who's known and somebody who has chosen to be known. And the psalmist says, Yahweh is my shepherd. Now think about the imagery of a shepherd. What are some of the primary tasks of a shepherd? It seems as though like the two primary tasks of a shepherd are to protect and to provide. Um, 
A shepherd, a shepherd is given the task of looking after uh, their sheep and making sure that the, they don't wander off into danger or make sure that danger or threats don't come in and uh, impose any sort of harm upon the flock. But they're also meant to provide for the, the flock, to lead them into green pastures that are lush with food where they can rest, by waters where they can drink and be nourished. A shepherd is meant to protect and to provide. And in this moment where uh, all seems out of control, (laughs) the psalmist is saying, Yahweh is my shepherd. Now, uh, for uh, um, Yahweh to be compared to a shepherd uh, was not uh, an unknown practice throughout scriptures, particularly in the Psalms. So we see, for example, in Psalm 80, the psalmist writing, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. We, we see examples of where God is referred to as a, a shepherd all throughout the Old Testament and in the Psalms. But notice that there's something different happening in Psalm 80 versus Psalm 23. Because in Psalm 80, we're told, give ear, O shepherd of who? Israel. It's a, a communal, collective, corporate sort of sense. But in Psalm 23, we're told the Lord is whose shepherd? my shepherd. It's no longer this corporate, um, communal, collective sort of sense, but this becomes a deeply intimate sort of prayer, sort of psalm, sort of cry out to God. It's no longer that God is reflective, or that, that God is this for us as a people, but this is who God is for me as a person. As one commentator notes, the God who created heavens and earth, sea and dry land, who shepherded Israel out of bondage in Egypt, this grand cosmic Lord also cares, cares for and shepherds the individual. In this moment, the shepherd does, in, the mo, in this moment, the, the psalmist doesn't care that, that God is all of these big things to this big group of people. Because in this moment, the, the, the psalmist's life feels out of control. Everything feels like it's breaking and burning. And the, shep, and the psalmist needs to know that God is close to him. The immensity of who God is uh, intensifies the intimacy that God offers to the psalmist. The bigness of God only means something to the psalmist in, in the fact that, the, that God is willing to step into the smallness of his life and meet him in this moment where life feels out of control. And in some ways, I think that this is why the story of Jesus is so compelling and so beautiful. Because what we have in the story of Jesus, as the New Testament puts it, all of the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. We have the bigness of God. We have the immensity of God stepping into the personal, stepping into the small, stepping into the intimate person of Jesus who lived and walked among us in order to shepherd us into a new way of being human. And so the psalm begins with this confession that Yahweh is my shepherd. When all feels all out of control, when everything feels like it's breaking and burning, Yahweh is a good shepherd to protect and to provide for me. And because of that, I have no needs. Now, the, the rest of the opening lines of this psalm are essentially just commentary on Yahweh being the psalmist's shepherd. Uh, So the psalmist goes on and he writes, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake. 
Now, commentators will often note that translating from the original Hebrew to, into English is often difficult, especially in like poetic language, to get the, the same sort of imagery across. And uh, we see some of that through, throughout this psalm. So we have this opening commentary of, uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures, which can come across a bit aggressive, right? <laughs> you get this sense that God is like pushing the psalmist to lie down in green pastures. It would be like uh, a parent of, say, I don't know, like a seven-month-old, uh, rocking uh, him to sleep before bed, and he getting particularly squirrely and not wanting to fall asleep. And so the parent does what the only th thing, uh, the only thing that he he thinks is possible, and just kind of holds him a little tighter so that he'll fall asleep. Right? A random example off the top of my head, not anything in particular. But that seems to be a little too uh, aggressive on the part of God in this uh, in this psalm. But rather, it seems like this making us lie down is that God is actively searching and seeking and providing a place that is safe and comfortable and restful for the shepherd. That God is actively on the pursuit to create a space, an environment, where the shepherd can finally lay down because things will finally feel in control in the midst of this green pasture. And in this moment, it seems as though God is like a pregnant expecting mother at the end of her, her uh, pregnancy, doing what pregnant expectant mothers do at the end of their pregnancy, nesting, right? It seems as though God is going throughout preparing things, cleaning things, putting things away, creating a safe, comfortable environment so that when this baby's brought home, they have a safe, warm space an atmosphere that can lead to flourishing and the nurturing of the life that God has entrusted uh, in this mother and in this sake uh, that God has entrusted with God's self. Um, as the, the psalm continues on here, um, we see that the goal of all of this is for rest. The goal of all of this is that the, the psalmist's soul would be restored, that there would be healing and wholeness within the psalmist's soul who has been beaten up and bruised by all that feels out of control around him. And we get the sense that it's like the psalmist coming home after a long trip, taking off his coat, dropping his bags, kicking off his shoes, and leaning back on a lazy boy going, ah, I'm home. And you get that, that, that sense that there's like this um, the safety and familiarity, this comfort, the security of being home, but also like being home means that you can drop the guards and the pretenses that we put up uh, to protect us from those around us. And when we sit down in the lazy boy, we can feel that rest, that healing, that wholeness, that restoration, that putting together of our soul that's been beaten up by the world around us. Now, the, the opening lines here close with... Uh, what I'll be honest is feels a bit confusing, uh, but is actually like a, um, kind of an exclamation point on it all. The psalmist writes, he leads me in right paths for his namesake. Which again, I have no idea what that means at face value. <laughs> but it seems as though what the psalmist is getting at is this path to the green pasture, this, this path to healing and wholeness and restoration is a good path that we can trust this path and is that this path will actually be the one that leads us towards healing. That God is a good God, that God is a faithful God, that God is a trustworthy God, and that God acts in faithful ways to God's people. But as you can imagine, like beginning a journey towards healing and wholeness can be a bit scary 
and daunting because that means turning from the things that are well known, right? Um, this, uh, this verse makes me think of something like the, the 12 steps, right? Um, this, uh, this program that's, that's meant to help people journey towards healing and wholeness after um, some sort of addiction to some sort of substance. And as you can imagine, like uh, some of these steps are scary and daunting. I think particularly of making amends with those that you've hurt along the way. But there's this sense that these 12 steps will like lead towards healing and wholeness in this person's life. That this will lead to a restoration in their life. And while it may be scary and daunting to step away from what's known and familiar and to step into uncharted territory, this is indeed the path that will lead towards healing and wholeness. And for us, as we think about all that's out of control around us, there is a sense of comfort and familiarity with it. (laughs) And to step away from that into something unknown can feel a bit scary and daunting. But the psalmist here recognizes that This is a trustworthy path that will actually lead towards wholeness. So these are the opening lines of of this psalm. Uh, One of the most familiar, well-quoted psalms throughout all time. Um, There's all sorts of beautiful imagery here. And I think um, if we can try to get to the heart of what the psalmist is getting at here, I think the psalmist is trying to say that my soul is secure with my shepherd. My soul is secure is secure with my shepherd. That in this moment where everything feels out of control for the shepherd, in this moment where it feels like things all around him are breaking and burning, he can turn to his shepherd because the shepherd is good and the shepherd will protect and will provide and the shepherd will care for him and lead him in right paths that lead towards healing and wholeness and flourishing. And I don't know about you, but this is a message that I need to hear desperately right now. When the world feels like it's out of control, when it's breaking and burning, I need to be reminded of this message that God is a good shepherd, that God will protect and provide for us, that my soul is secure with my shepherd. And I would assume that for many of us, we need to hear this message as well. But it seems as though that there's more that needs to be done than just hear this message. It seems as though in some ways we too need to take an active part in this and acknowledge Uh, this message, that my soul is secure with my shepherd. Again, uh, the psalm opens with uh, a confession of sorts. The psalmist here seems to be recognizing that everything that's pulling his attention, everything that feels out of control, everything that feels like it's breaking and burning around him, and yet, despite all of that, he doesn't choose to confess that my life continues to feel out of control. He confesses, Yahweh is my shepherd. He confesses, my soul is secure with my shepherd. And I think uh, when things feel out of control, things feel like they're breaking, things feel like they're burning to the ground, confession is such an important thing for us. Not like confession of all the, the things that I've done wrong or even the fact that like God is like an egotistical deity that like gets off in some way of us crying out for our need for God. But when we confess, we're acknowledging that we have options. We're acknowledging that we have choices. We're acknowledging that yes, things feel out of control. Things feel like they're breaking and burning all around us, but we're confessing that there's a deeper reality, a deeper current, a deeper stream that's flowing. And that is our shepherd's stream that we can step into at any point and turn away from this magnetic pull of all that's breaking and say that my soul is secure with my shepherd. 
So here's what I want to suggest uh, for this next week. And again, like I said, this next season. Um, I think this, uh, this idea of my, my soul is secure with my shepherd um, can be some sort of like uh, useful and helpful mantra or even like a, a breath prayer for us. And what I mean by a, a breath prayer is a, a short, portable prayer that we can pair with our breathing. Um, so as awkward as this may seem, it looks a little like this. My soul is secure with my shepherd. My soul is secure with my shepherd. And the beautiful thing about uh, breath prayers is that they're, they're so incredibly versatile, right? Uh, we can use them when we have quiet moments throughout our day. So maybe uh, at our job, as we're moving from one task to another, we can sit for a second and pray, my soul is secure with my shepherd as a way of realigning us throughout our day. Or maybe we can have prescribed moments throughout our day. So before we open our eyes in the morning, we, we, we pray this quietly. My soul is secure with my shepherd. Or as we uh, head off to lunch throughout the day, my soul is secure with my shepherd. Or as we pull up to our house before we leave our car and walk into our home, my soul is secure with my shepherd. But I think another really uh, beautiful part of breath prayers uh, comes in the midst of crisis moments. When we get that text, when we get that phone call, when we see that headline, that when we don't know what else to say, we have this one thing that we can cling to. My soul is secure with my shepherd. I recognize that we all come uh, to this morning from different places. For some of us, uh, our life feels out of control, but just a little bit. Um, and it's not going to take a whole lot of convincing uh, that our souls are secure with our shepherd. But for others of us, life feels very, very out of control. Everything that's, that's leading to it feeling out of control, everything that's breaking and burning around us is screaming awfully loud, and it's going to take an awful lot of convincing to tell us otherwise. And so for that, I would encourage you to like stick with this. Allow like the beauty of uh, this prayer to like chip away at the magnetic pull of all that's breaking around us. Uh, this past week, um, I woke up, what was it? Wednesday morning. Uh, so there was something on TV that had some sort of national attention, uh, some pretty influential people in it. And if you watched it, uh, it didn't go super awesome. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about the uh, presidential debate, by the way. Um, and I woke up and I, to be honest, I, I felt a bit lost. Um, I felt really discouraged. I felt a bit hopeless. I felt uh, a bit anxious, a bit depressed all before I even opened my eyes. But I had been uh, thinking about uh, this idea of my soul being secure with my shepherd. And so as those emotions began to creep into my soul, so did this prayer. And before I even opened my eyes, I turned to it and I began to pray, my soul is secure with my shepherd. My soul is secure with my shepherd. As I did that, I began to feel all of that depression, all of that anxiety, all of those concerns, all of that hopelessness begin to slip away. And that doesn't mean that those things are gone. Like, we still have work to do, right? But it means that I'm approaching it from a place of, like, wholeness and health and restoration rather than out of a place of desperation and reacting. Friends, my soul is secure with my shepherd. Your soul is secure with your shepherd. Our collective souls are secure with our shepherd. 
Our shepherd is a good shepherd. Our shepherd wants to lead us in right paths. Our shepherd is actively seeking, searching, preparing places for us to lie down and have rest. And my prayer for us is that our souls would begin to trust that this is who God says that God is. Amen. Uh, For our closing prayer, um, uh, we have a, a call and response sort of prayer. And again, um, I really appreciated what Celia said about uh, our collective voices uh, saying something. And to uh, help us just get used to like uttering, my soul is secure with my shepherd, um, that, that will be our response to this. Um, so I invite you when I uh, motion like this to, to respond, my soul is secure with my shepherd. When I awake each morning and all is calm, My soul is secure with my shepherd. When I awake and my mind is flooded with all that seems wrong, my soul is secure with my shepherd. When the news headlines are filled with all that is good and beautiful, my soul is secure with my shepherd. When the news headlines tell of a world that feels like it's out of control and breaking apart, my soul is secure with my shepherd. When my day goes as it's planned and I have moments of quiet rest throughout it, my soul is secure with my shepherd. And when plans fall apart and nothing goes as I had hoped, my soul is secure with my shepherd. When my life feels in balance and all is well with my soul, my soul is secure with my shepherd. And when my life feels out of control, and not all is well with my soul. My soul is secure with my shepherd. God, in the good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful, may your spirit draw us nearer and nearer and remind us and reassure us that my soul is secure with my shepherd. Amen.